Hi, this is Yolanda. I'm sharing with you the memoirs of President Joseph Smith III, 1832 to 1914. And um, we've reached um, almost to the end of chapter 38 um, of the British Isles. And the page is 408, the um, section heading Return Voyage. Thank you for joining me. The passage from Southampton to New York was made on the steamer St. Louis, a companion boat to the New York on which we had travelled to England. We sailed at noon and at 6pm called at Cherbourg, France, where a lot of passengers were taken on. The westward passage was a smooth one for the most part, though two nights and one day were stormy. The vessel rolled considerably, though it was much steadier than the New York. Brother Evans was at table for lunch and dinner that first day, and then soon after we left Cherbourg. His sickness began and continued until the voyage was ended. He kept his room most of the time, either laying or lying in his berth or sitting in the cabin chair, his refreshment being brought to him by a cabin boy. As on the outward trip, I was well throughout and always among the first at table for meals. Indeed, I was almost ashamed at my uniformly good appetite and the fact that I could not even temporarily qualify to be counted in the fashionable throng so conspicuous by its absence. Nearly everybody on board was afflicted to some degree. Our stateroom was quite near the waterline. By rising to a sitting position in my berth I could see the water tossing against the window light. A round, thick pane of glass so fitted and secured as to keep out the seas, even when they were most turbulent. It was quite delightful to me, as always, to lie in my berth and listen to the swash of the waters, feel the motion of the boat rushing through the waves, and hear the pulsing beat of the engine, driving the propellers with such power that our days run frequently reached nearly 500 miles. There was a cousin of President McKinley on board with his wife and her sister. He was seated opposite me at table. My left-hand neighbour was, as I judged from her appearance, either a prim old spinster or a precise little widow, but she was one of the heartiest eaters of any of our table companions. There was on board a man from Iowa whose acquaintance I made since with Brother Evans' indisposition, I found it necessary to seek companionship elsewhere. This gentleman was a member of the state legislature, a boisterous sort of fellow, who, though ailing a day or two, kept up a good front. He was of an inquiring turn of mind and visited the ship from its keelson to its masts i should judge one day he took me with him to visit the office of the wireless operator a man named m j smith who described interestingly the manner of communication even then sparks were active about the instrument indicating that messages were being transmitted as i have stated we have some, we had some stormy weather and it was quite windy when I met my Iowa friend on deck early that morning, 
I was quite amused to see that he had a handkerchief tied about his head. He explained that the wind had whisked his cap off into the waters of the Atlantic, well, I'll guarantee it found no heads like his on which to rest. I still had the use of mine, for which I was thankful, though I need not have worried much had I lost it, for it had, co for it had cost, originally, perhaps one-fifth of his. Poverty, indeed, has its compensations. I had made a full, a small, let me start again. I had made a few small purchases in the aisles. As we reached the dock at New York and were all awaiting inspection by the customs officers, Evans, with sparkling countenance, let me into a secret. His baggage would not be interfered with since he was a British subject. Mine had to undergo all the inquiry required. But as I had nothing contraband and the cheap jewellery I had brought, characteristic of eastern Scotland and Ireland, amounted to not more than six or seven dollars altogether, the officers were pleased to let me go without duty, for which I thanked them. I had thought that, should I be subjected to a tariff, I would appeal to the Secretary, Honourable Leslie M. Shaw, once Governor of Iowa, feeling that with him I would fare justly. It may be added here that my wife has had the misfortune to lose one of the souvenirs which I prize the most highly, a Khan Gorm purchased at Edinburgh. Next heading, on American soil again. It was 8.30 on Saturday, September the 26th, when we arrived at New York. I found that Brother Evans was in such a condition of homesickness and despair as a result of his mal de mer and inability to take sufficient sustenance that I, that I told him he would better go directly home. So we lunched at Brother and Sister Joseph Squires in Brooklyn, visited a while until time for his departure, then said our goodbyes and he started for home. As for me, it was not to be my lot to proceed homeward at once, for I found I was booked for a few appointments in the East. Staying in New York several days, I preached twice on Sunday and on Monday evening to fair congregations, a number of pleasant visits with old friends, Captain Potts, Brother Squires, Brother Truman and others were enjoyed. In company were Brother Francis M. Sheehy, I made a call on some distant relatives, a Mrs. Annie Mack Walker and her daughter John, named Janetta, for her father. We had a most delightful visit. Mrs. Walker and her daughter were bright intellectual women, the daughter a reporter on a New York newspaper. As indicated in her name, they were descendants of the Macks, my grandmother Lucy's people. Mrs. Walker, Mrs. Walker had been a widow for some years, as I understood. In the afternoon of October 1st, Brother Sheehy and I started to, for, for, to Fall River, Massachusetts, taking passage on the steamer Puritan, one of the finest crafts in the business. The salon and cabins were finished and furnished like the appointments of a grand hotel. We made the trip by night. Orchestral music and the swish of rippling waters lulled us to sleep in our berths along the side of the vessel. They were like ordinary bunks reached by stepladder. We attended the Massachusetts Conference at Fall River, where I was the guest of Dr. Gilbert. 
I attended the different meetings and did my share of the preaching since I was about recovered from my rather prolonged facial neuralgia. I went about with Dr Gilbert's son as he made his rounds of professional calls, met some prominent congressmen and other interesting people, quite a number of saints from New Bedford, Providence, Boston and other nearby points attended the circumference. From Fall River to Boston was the next move, which was made on October 5th. I reached the hub city in time to catch the evening train west. Washouts delayed our train, however, and Chicago was reached too late for my train to Lamoni. Obtaining accommodations at a hotel, I had a fair rest. Upon leaving next morning, I attended the landlords an English crown from which to support subtract the amount due him for bed and breakfast he would not accept it and so i gave him 30 cents or the american money i had a few days after reaching home my daughter audie gave me five dollars in exchange for my english piece which she still keeps as a souvenir of my visit to a foreign land i may add that upon arriving home i forwarded to the landlords of the hotel the balance due of my accommodations it was October 8 when I reached Lamoni, feeling myself practically none the worse for wear for having visited the realm of King Edward, and with my mind enriched by many pleasant memories, I was glad to be again under the hospitable and comfortable roof of Liberty Hall, my home in the middle section of our own land of the free, so new and young in comparison to what I had seen in the preceding three months. And that is the end of chapter 38. Thank you for listening. Join me for chapter uh, 39 in the next episode.